I'm one of them. I see a guy jump over the campfire, very hairy guy, and I see the shaman pointing at me across the yellow and orange crackling flames. You don't know it yet, but you're already dead. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm the most successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was a cab driver. Now I'm a millionaire. You're already dead. You just don't know it. And I didn't know what he was talking about, but I couldn't stop thinking about of it. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night out of a sound sleep. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. What does it mean? Comes to be New Year's Day 2009, and I wake up and ask myself a question inspired by that shaman at that campfire. I said, hey, I don't know what it means to already be dead, but what if I was going to die at the end of this year? What if this was going to be the last year of my life? What would I want to accomplish? Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy and her team down at Tranquil Turtle Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. My wife and I see her and her team every single month for couples massage, and I'm telling you, it is the best thing ever. She specializes in Hanu Infusion, Hanu Ashiatsu, Gua Sha, and manual lymphatic drainage. If you need a massage to get you feeling good and relaxed, make sure to reach out to Tracy and her team down at Tranquil Turtle Massage. Also, mention that I sent you and you get 25 bucks off your massage package. Also, check out CDA Brows and Body Ink, where Tracy offers the best tattoo brows and plasma fibroblasting tightening with the first ever Aurora Pro Plasma Titan Machine, not a plasma pen. And don't forget to tell Tracy that I sent you to save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows or plasma tightening. Clint, you're best-selling author of 21 books, including Wisdom of Men, which is nominated for the 2022 Pulitzer Prize. You're a serial entrepreneur, advisor, coach, consultant, speaker, also known as celebrity entrepreneur, and so much more. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. I'm really excited because I think your people are going to dig what I'm going to talk about here today. Absolutely. I-, I love to kick my show off by going back a bit, though, first. Well, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? You know... I used to get beat up, mugged, growing up in New York City, got mugged two times by the same guy. Oh, my gosh. My bicycle got stolen the first day I was riding around the block. I rode it around four times, and then some guy with a switchblade took it off me, right? And I wanted to protect myself and have more personal security, so I got into wrestling in high school. I thought that would be a great idea. We became a great team. I was a New York City silver medalist at 145 pounds. Uh, we were the New York City wrestling champions, and we used to go. I mean, I went to a specialized math science high school, so yeah. it was all full of little scrawny nerds and Chinese kids. And we used to go up on the subway to the Bronx and beat up every tough mofo in the Bronx week after week after week to become the New York City wrestling champions. So it, it was a, it was a life of transformation. I always I wanted to be more. I wanted to be special always in my life, and I think that was partially because my parents were arguing all the time, and I figured out that if I could become special enough, that maybe they would stop arguing. Mm-hmm. And so what I identified was I wanted to go to the best business school in the world. It was called the Wharton Business School. I looked it up in the encyclopedia. It was a real thing. And when I graduated from Wharton with a 4.0 in entrepreneurship, I went home to get the attaboys. And what happens? My parents erupt into the most gigantic of all arguments. My dad slams the door on his way out of the apartment. I turn to my mom. I go, you know, mom, the way he resents you all these years, have you been cheating on dad? And I'm thinking, wow, where did that question come from? I never even thought that in my whole life. Then I'm thinking, what kind of a rude son of a gun asked his mom a question like that? And then I'm thinking, holy cow, why ain't she answering the question? 
He says, he's not your real father. Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic we went to for six years trying to have you and you look just like that guy. And now I didn't know who I was anymore. I certainly didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up anymore. So I call up the investment bank on the 87th floor of number one World Trade Center. That's exactly where the planes went in. Wow. And I said, Mr. Vice President, I appreciate the offer, but I decided I don't want to be an investment banker anymore, even though this is what I've been working for my whole life, really. And what did I do? Naturally, I moved out to Hollywood and started going on auditions, writing screenplays. I wrote 30 screenplays over the course of 13 years, and it helped me to become a very special person in Hollywood. I became the Wharton Business School taxi driver. Come on. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, in your new book, you, Wisdom Men, you, you tell the story of how you went from taxi driver to, to work with these global superstars, including five U.S. presidents. You know, what was that What was that moment of breakthrough for you when you got out to L.A. and you, and you, you start like writing the scripts? What was that moment where you're like, I finally have kind of made it here? And but obviously you continue to improve. But what was that moment? Do you remember that moment where it was kind of like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I quit writing after New Year's Eve of the millennium. Okay. Uh, it was the, you know, 13 years of chasing this dream that was never going to happen. All my friends, my fraternity brothers from college were becoming millionaires and billionaires on Wall Street, hedge funds, investment banking. And here I'm making $500 a week as a cab driver. And I said, it's not worth it anymore. And I quit writing. That was actually the second time I quit writing. And I, I focused all my energy to transforming. I wanted, at that point, I didn't want to be special anymore. At that point, yeah. I wanted a normal freaking life, okay? Yeah. I wanted to make some money. I wanted to be able to meet a woman, get married, have a house, you know? And throughout the 2000s, that's all I did was focus on getting fat and happy. And I did. <laughs> I, I got to be obese. I got married. I was, you know, seven years into my marriage, it's on the rocks. And I built a bunch of houses, but I had quit writing. And I was at a men's self-help campfire, 18 naked guys dancing around the campfire. I'm one of them. I see a guy jump over the campfire, very hairy guy. And I see a shaman pointing at me across the yellow and orange crackling flames. You don't know it yet, but you're already dead. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm the most successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was a cab driver. Now I'm a millionaire. You're already dead. You just don't know it. And I didn't know what he was talking about, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night out of a sound sleep. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. What does it mean? Comes to be New Year's Day, 2009. And I wake up and ask myself a question inspired by that shaman at that campfire. I said, hey, I don't know what it means to already be dead, but what if I was going to die at the end of this year? What if this was going to be the last year of my life? What would I want to accomplish? And that question changed my whole entire life because I really took it seriously. I said, what if I only had 52 weeks left to live, what would I want to do? And the first thing I said was I got to write my book about what I learned at Wharton that helped me to become successful as a businessman once I stopped chasing the dream of being a movie star and a, and a writer. And I wrote that book. It was called What They Teach You at the Wharton Business School. And yep. I self-published on Amazon and waited for the sales. All eight sales rolled in the first year. And then I saw a mentor, a mentor, his name was Jack Canfield. Jack, how do you sell a half a billion chicken soup for the soul books? You got to become famous, Clint. You got to go on TV, on radio. You got to make these people think you're somebody special because people don't buy books from nobodies. Yep. As nice as you are, you got to be somebody special. So I started going on TV. Long story short, 
my 57th TV appearance was after three years of pursuing this dream of being able to become somebody in the eyes of customers and prospects. My 57th appearance was with Brooke Shields and Willie Geist on the Today Show, Studio 1A at 30 Rockefeller Center. And they go, you know, Clint, you ask yourself a great question every year. What's that question? I said, ask yourself, if this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? Because that's been my superpower. That one question took me all the way from obscurity to the Today Show, sitting six feet away from Brooke Shields. And then she goes, you know, you talk a lot about being comfortable outside of your comfort zone. I said, yeah, life begins where your comfort zone ends. She goes, that sounds scary. It is. And I said, when, when it's scary is when it's great. And I really, really mean that. That's another one of my guiding life philosophies. When every time it gets really scary, it becomes amazing. Yeah. Oh man. So good. So good. Now with this book, like what can readers expect to get out of wisdom of men, man? Well, I've, I've met a million international superstars, five presidents of the United States. And I pretty much have asked all of them and wrote about it. I, you know, the, the wisdom of the men is not so much about what they say, but it's about how did I get to meet all these people? Like, yeah. and this is one of my strategies. If you're an author, a speaker, a coach, any kind of expert, consultant, advisor, you got to become somebody special if you really want to have impact, influence, and income. And the fastest, cheapest, best, most powerful way to become somebody is to have lots of famous friends. And that is what I've done. And that's what I've revealed, the secrets of all of that. How do you do that in my book, Wisdom of the Men? So, you know, for example, Mike Tyson, I talk a lot. The night I met Mike Tyson, that was the night of the big shooting in Las Vegas where they had oh, wow. a concert that got exploded by assassin's bullets. Yeah. And, you know, I asked Mike Tyson, hey, champ, what's the most important thing you ever learned? And he said, stay humble. <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> I love that, dude. I, I was reading about that because that's a question you ask a lot of people like Snoop Dogg and Oprah and Tony Robbins. And I was wondering, is there a common theme that you see kind of through that answer when you ask these folks that? Well, I'd say that. There's three prevailing answers. Number one, nothing is impossible. Every, anything is possible. That's come up from a lot of celebrities. Number two, stay humble. Both Mike Tyson and Caitlyn Jenner, of all people, Olympians, two of them, both said stay humble. And then uh, the third one would be um, that it's up to you to make it happen. You know, various, various responses like Oprah. I said, Oprah, what's the most important thing you ever learned? You are responsible for your own success. Just boom, just like that. And then Ice-T. Come on. He, he was a speaker at my conference at Carnegie Hall. I go, what's the most important thing you ever learned? He said, don't expect anybody to wake up with your dream. Hmm. That's another version of the same thing. And yeah. Evander Holyfield, you know. Uh, Evander Holyfield, I said, same question. And he said, Philippians 13, I can do all things through Christ. Same thing. And nothing is impossible. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Look, I wanted to tell you about a company I've been working with. They are amazing. If you are a podcaster, a motivational speaker, or a podcast host, and you're absolutely crushing it, 
you need to be featured in Newswire Magazine. Newswire Magazine is a cutting-edge business publication that shares stories of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and other high achievers who are crushing it in life and in business. It's the preeminent publication for entrepreneurs who are making a tremendous impact. Every article is seen by thousands of readers daily, so being featured in the magazine is a massive personal branding opportunity. Not only will you get massive traffic and SEO benefit from being featured in Newswire Magazine, but you'll also get instant credibility and authority. See if you qualify to be featured in Newswire magazine today. See, yeah. this, these, these are the recurring things. Jimmy Carter, you know, another variation on that. Uh, he said, if you don't like the person that you have been in your life, you can start being a new person today. Hmm. That's, that's both of them. You know, yeah. you can do it and nothing is impossible. And then, you know, another, I know you have an audience who are into physical sports, right? Yeah. So uh, one of the best, like I had this huge conference that was impossible at CNN Center in August of 2020, the height of the pandemic in Atlanta, that riots had been raging through the city the week before. We did a huge conference for entrepreneurs there. Wow. And one of my speakers was this woman named Janae Noonan. She was the uh, gold medalist for Team USA in MMA, great, amazing fighter and children's book author. And I said, what's the most important thing you ever learned? And she said, when you start getting hit hard, that's when you know you're getting good. Because when you're first starting out as a fighter, they only put you up against beginners who don't know how to hit hard. Or if they put you up against anybody who's good, they're going to take it easy on you and not hit you hard. So when you start getting hit hard, that means you're fighting good people and they're not taking it easy on you. And that was like one of the best lessons I have ever learned in my entire freaking life because I've been, I've been hit really hard by a lot of big people. You know, I've been hit hard. Yeah. And, and now when I get hard, when I get hit hard, it, it makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, come on. Now, that's awesome. I mean, I, I love to ask the same question for you. Like, what's the most important thing that you've le ever learned? Well, look, I told you my whole life has been about becoming somebody special. And, yeah. you know, there's a, a version of that for anybody who is an author, a speaker, a coach, anybody who's an entrepreneur, really. If you're an entrepreneur, you think they're buying your product. You got to have the best product. You're wrong. There's a million products that are competing directly with yours that are very similar, if not identical or better than yours, objectively. What you need to do is focus on being the biggest who you can be in the eyes of your customers and prospects, because who you are is more important than what you actually do or sell. It's really the only thing that differentiates you from your competition. And there's ways to mold the perception of who you are through your storytelling through your marketing, especially and marketing, storytelling is a piece of your marketing. If you're not using stories, you don't get it. All the best brands, even big corporate brands are using stories to market. And you as an entrepreneur, if you're not taking advantage of the free resource of your own personal stories to position yourself as different than your competition, because different is better than better. That's a key yeah. lesson. That's a key yeah. lesson. Different is better than better. So yeah. become different than everybody else by becoming apparently, per, by all perceptions, 
some kind of celebrity in the eyes of customers and prospects. That's what you got to do. If you're an author, speaker, coach, and you want, or an expert, and you want more impact, influence, and income. I love that because you kind of deep dive into this in, in one of your courses, the the secret stories, you know, you talk about that and, and it's so important to share your story. And you said that it took you 16 years to share that story of being a taxi driver, 26 years to talk about your biological dad. I didn't tell my story till I was 39 years old, which is like four years ago. You know, it's like, what does that training cover and how important is it to just share your story? Like you, you shared your story and that obviously changed the way that your, your life is now, but how, is, how important is it for people to get out there and share their story? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, when I started telling my taxi driver story, I, I jumped my income up six figures. When I added my story about my dad not being my biological dad, that's when I started making seven figures a year. Okay? Those two stories. And notice I told them both in here. I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. I, don't, I didn't tell you to ask that question. Yeah, totally. You seized on that question. And that's a smart question. And you got to tell and retell your stories because your customers and prospects need to know your stories. They need to know who you are because this is the key to it all. And I've, I've done, I've hosted lots of conferences, a lot of, I work with thousands of authors, speakers, coaches, experts, and the ones where I know their story, I know them. If I know your story, I know you. If I don't know your story, then you're just another name or number on a list and that's no way to compete in the marketplace today. The marketplace is too competitive to not be someone. See, that's, that's what it all comes down to. We are moving closer and closer and closer to being a nameless, faceless, inhuman society. Hmm. People buy people. And if you want people to buy you, then you need to be a person in the eyes of your customers and prospects and not just another vendor. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In fact, one of the sections that you have in your book, you talk about how to be more, do more and have more, which uh, such a great section there, but without revealing too much, can you deep dive into that? And why is that the, the, like so important in that area? Well, if you think that you're going to have more by being the same person that you've been being all this time and doing the same stuff that you've been doing, you can't have more unless you be more and do more. Mm -hmm. It's like, the chicken or the egg? Well, this is this is definitely the egg comes first. You have to be more and you have to do more if you're going to have more. Because whatever thinking or strategies or, or um, work that you're doing now is not going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, come on. Now, you have money, you have success. What is it that drives you to keep going at this time and age? Uh, I'm a creator. I love to create that. Like one of the things that I love the most is to go into a room with nothing and come out 10 days later with a book like wisdom of the men, you know, and this, look at this book. This is a real, this is a real book. <laughs> this, is a real, this is a real thing. 91,000 words. And I made it in 10 days. And wow. that's the fun part for me. But if you want people to read your book, then you got to do the hard work. And luckily for me, you know, I, I've done a lot of men's self-help work. That's where my background comes. That's how I invented the title, Wisdom of the Men, that came out of working with groups of men in self-help. And there's a saying amongst the men that a man will love what he is good at. Hmm. Like, 
you can be digging ditches, but if you're freaking great with a shovel, it's easy for you to do that. You know, it's yeah. like you're more comfortable shoveling dirt than you are, you know, making small talk at a party. Totally. So it, luckily for me, I've gotten really good at the marketing too. I love the marketing. I, you know, I'm not really a speaker. I'm a writer. You ask me, yeah. what do you think? I'm a writer. I am yeah. a writer. When I was in high school, I had the great privilege to have a teacher named Frank McCord. He wrote a book called Angela's Ashes. He won the Pulitzer Prize wow. for that book. And he became rich and famous as a writer. And he inspired all of us to want to be writers. I took his creative writing class in high school. And ever since then, I've, I've been a writer. And I'm not really a speaker, but I've become a speaker in order to promote the books because 13 years of chasing the Hollywood dream taught me that if I don't make it happen, it ain't going to happen. I need to be the one to make it happen. And being a speaker is an essential part of being a writer because you need to do the marketing to get people interested in buying the book. I mean, you would think that a, a book all about Jimmy Carter, George Bush, Bill Clinton, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Mick Jagger, Mike Tyson, Buzz Aldrin, Dr. Oz, Eli Manning, Patch Adams, Mean Joe Green, Halston, Grant Cardone, Ringo Starr, Tim Ferriss, Isaac Mizrahi, Joel Osteen, John Travolta, Robert Downey Jr., Dr. Drew, Dr. Oz, all these people, you think that would be enough, but these books don't sell themselves. I need right. to go out and spread the word and let people know that if you want the wisdom of all of these men and all the things that I've learned in the process of meeting them, then you need to get the book or the Audible. The Audible is really great. I, I read it myself. I, I checked into a hotel for three days in Las Vegas and came out with an Audible that is fantastic. Come on. And, uh, you know, crack off a credit and get the Audible. There we go. Come on. That's amazing. I love to finish my show with a fun question. I'm a big music guy. What type of music do you like to listen to or is there a favorite band of yours? Okay. Uh, if I go on the newlywed game or any kind of quiz show okay. with my, my wife and yeah. they ask her the question, what is your fit? Your husband's favorite kind of music. She will tell you this exact answer. Any kind of music he's never heard before. Now yeah. I love music. I love new things. I love experiencing new things. However, you know, now we're spending a lot of time in Mexico, pretty much all of our time in Acapulco. And I love listening to Mexican music. It's been a real, voyage of discovery like learning about mexican culture and music and i'm really loving it like i just watched the whole like three seasons of luis miguel on, okay. on netflix because he's like the hero of mexican music i love luis miguel if i could meet luis miguel like you say to me is there any one person that you really want to meet at this point in your life it's luis miguel okay okay <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so good well hopefully that's awesome, man. Clint, you're such an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and jumping on and, and sharing your story, man. I think you're an absolute, like I said, world changer. I'm excited for this book. Um, I just ordered it, so I'm excited to get into it, man. And, and again, thank you for taking time. Truly honored to have you on, man. Hey, man. Make it happen. Hey, thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to take a listen or a watch. It's truly an honor to be able to speak with such amazing guests, and I hope that they've made an impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. And you can do me one big favor. That would be huge. Click that subscribe button, and then second favor, hit that share button. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Keep changing the world. I believe in you.